Looking at uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, before we go to prayer. And I'm going to start reading from verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under the guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son... That an heir through God. Well, to begin tonight, uh, I just wanted to start uh, by saying uh, thank you. Uh, some of you may know that uh, a few months ago, I think about four months ago, my daughter Hannah showed up here to stay with the Reeses and uh, is still staying with them. And uh, uh, in talking to her, I know this has just been a wonderful uh, experience for her. Um, she's really been embraced by your congregation and loved and Fed. It's been a wonderful time for growth in her life, and uh, so I am extremely uh, grateful for that. But what many of you may not know about my daughter Hannah is that she comes from a very large family. The Hughes clan is a clan of 11, and I believe they're going to put a picture up of the Hughes clan. I uh, brought this picture along so you can see the gang. You can see Hannah there. She's got the longest hair of all of us. And... Uh, We've become a, a large family not because my wife, Trisha is uh, like the you know, Hebrew women of old. Um, <laughs> it's happened through adoption. Uh, we've had the privilege of adopting uh, our last five. Uh, Josiah, who's now 14, and Abby, who's now 12, Opal, who's 11, Kaya, who is 10, and Maddie, 7. And the thing about adopting a, a, a lot of kids... Many people will come and say, oh, how do you do it? There's you know, got to be all kinds of expenses and stuff. But there's lots of advantages to adopting. Um, you have a lot of workers around the house to do the chores. That's a good thing. You don't have to leave home to play team sports. Uh, the Mormons in our area really like us. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite things is that your children are not all biologically and genetically related to you. And uh, that's a good thing. I, I tell my biological children, you know, if they plan on being a, a sporting star, that's not going to happen. Or a singing star, that's not going to happen. With, with my adopted children, you never know. <laughs> One of my adopted children, Josiah, um, when he was just a boy, he's, he's, a, he's a big boy for his size, and uh, his parents were... <laughs> big, sturdy people, and uh, so I imagined that maybe someday I would be sitting on the side of, you know, American uh, football game, gridiron, a high school game, and looking out at this lineman's son down, the linemen are the big guys down there, and that the, uh, the men in, along the uh, stands with me would be looking along at me and looking out at him, and looking back at me, and, and then one of them would say, his mother must be huge. <laughs> But one of the, seriously, one of the 
neat things about adopting is that it's really given me, I started noticing the passages in Scripture about adoption in a, in a whole new way. And one thing that's very clear in several of the passages, as in this one in Galatians, is that our ability to pray, to come to our Father and be heard, is because of our adoption as children of God. People say, well, we're all children of God, you know, in in creation. But that's actually not enough. Uh, Because of our sin, we're separated from him. And we can't really pray and be heard. But as adopted children in Christ, we have that access to the Father. That's really the basis of our prayer life. So this evening, I just wanted to note uh, three things about our adoption as God's children from this passage. Three things that should encourage us in prayer. And the first thing that I wanted us to notice from this passage is that as adopted children, we are children of a costly pursuit. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, none of my adopted children approached my wife and I first. Not one of them came to us to be adopted. They didn't show up as little baby orphans on our front door and knock and say, I I need a home. I'd like to be adopted. They were helpless. My daughter Kaya, uh, when she was born, was taken by her, her mother, who was a drug addict, to the bus station and strapped in a little car seat, and she lived in that car seat for the first six weeks of her life. And uh, when her mother passed out one day, her friends thought that little Kaya was going to die, so they took her to the hospital. And uh, when we received her, she couldn't, her arms were strapped like this. She couldn't pull her arms in. The back of her head was completely flat, and she had scars from her diaper rash. My son Josiah was born extremely addicted to heroin, went through all kinds of struggles, could do nothing for himself, could barely live without help. And I could go on about each one of them. But when we heard about them, we went after them. We were able to go and pursue them. And it was a a costly, time-consuming, emotionally draining mentally arduous process. If you've adopted or been part of the process, you know. Especially if you've adopted overseas, you know the cost, even financially, can be huge. And the mileage and wear and tear on your life, it's hard to count. But of course, I say that because it's just a little picture of what's been done for us. It doesn't even really compare to the pursuit the costly pursuit that our Father gave to us. We were lost children, orphaned in our sin, cut off from our Creator, our God, our Father, with no hope, heading for sure destruction. But our God, our loving Father, came after us, pursued us even in our rebellion, sent His Son, gave His life, to redeem us, sacrificed his very life to buy us back, to make us his children. So as we approach him in prayer, uh, 
We don't come in fear. We don't come wondering if we're going to be accepted. We come to one who has, has come to us first, who's come after us. When we could do nothing, he gave us everything to make us his. Which brings me to the second thing I want us to notice here, and that is, as his adopted children, we are his real children. Every once in a while, when I'm out with my, the gang of my children, the big group, all of them together, someone will ask, which ones are your real children? And after punching them right in the nose, which is an American greeting, we, just, we do that, I say to them, all of them. Now I know that what they're asking, I know they're asking which ones are biologically connected to me because in some way that would make them more real as my children. But what's interesting actually is that in Washington State, when you, uh, when you adopt a child, when you go to court, they, the birth certificate is actually redone. They redo the birth certificate so that it, it says that Trish and I are actually the birth parents of this child. It has the, you know, it says this child was born on this date to Patricia and William Hughes. That's my first name. And so they, they completely redo it. And the judge at the adoption hearing challenges you to live accordingly. So this child is as if your biological child. You must treat them that way. And interestingly, of course, over time, that, that legal reality becomes very real in your relationship with, with your children. Um, there is no difference from your biological children. Uh, none of the, my, my adopted children have to peek at the legal documents to, to know what the relationship is. When I come in the front door from work, all the kids, which is sort of fun, come running and say, Daddy! Except for one of them who says, Papa, and I don't know why. And I embrace them all. But this text says something even more radical and stunning about our relationship with our Father. According to verse 6, as we are received as God's adopted children, the Spirit of His Son... His only beloved Son actually comes into our hearts. His very Spirit, His divine Spirit enters us. And thus we become His children more than creationally and, and, and uh, in a greater way than biological. We become spiritually related to God. It's more than a bloodline connection. It's a heart connection, like a transfusion of the soul. So that, the text says, we cry, Abba, Father. That spirit in us cries from our hearts, Abba, Father. That's real prayer. It's that term, you know, that the children would use to address their father. The, the term that the Jews didn't use of God. They thought it was inappropriate, but Jesus did. As his true son, and it becomes ours. That's how we can pray. This means, as, as Tim Keller says in his, his excellent book on prayer, he says, it means that when God hears our prayers, our cries, he hears them and responds to them with the intense love and care that we hear our little children when, when, when they cry out to us, perhaps in fear or pain. If you think about when you're at a park and everybody's kids are playing, 
how if, if one of their children actually cries out in, in fear or pain or in something where they're really crying out how that mother or that father is there, they hear them over all the kids instantly. They're there. You know your child's cry. You know their different cries. That's the spirit we have. And this should give us great confidence and assurance as we pray. Our God has come for us. He's given everything for us. He's imparted his spirit to us. And he hears our cries as his very son. And finally, I want us to note that as his adopted children, we become heirs. That last verse. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In Christ, we are true sons, heirs of all that is his, all the blessings of the Father. In the case of, uh, of my children, the thought of inheriting all that is mine is not that exciting. They each get to look forward to one you know, ninth of my, bless, of my vast estate. But as Christians, we each receive the, in full, the full inheritance of our Father. All that is Jesus is ours. The full riches of his glorious inheritance is how the Apostle Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 1. Forgiveness, redemption, revelation, the fullness of his love, fullness of the love of our creator, our father, and all the treasures of his heavenly home. Go read about those in Revelation 19 and 20. It's incredible. We can pray in all circumstances, no matter how bad things get, or, or what we've lost, or the tragedy we've experienced. We can pray with that sure hope. Our eternal inheritance our eternal inheritance is secure because in Christ and through his spirit we are adopted real children of God.